Hey, Lou, welcome. How are we doing today? Good. Happy New Year to all of you. Yes. And happy holidays. Uh, Merry Christmas to those of you who celebrate Merry uh, Christmas. Happy Hanukkah to those who celebrate Hanukkah. Happy holidays to everybody else. Uh, We are going to be talking today about Thomas Edison and his partners and friends, Henry Ford and Harvey Firestone. Um, I think most of you who live in the United States have some knowledge about these three pioneers in their fields. But what I'm going to be telling you today is something I learned purely by accident when I went to Sanibel Island in Florida. Um, Edison has a museum there and he has one in um, in um, New Jersey, of course, in Menlo Park. But I went to the one in Sanibel Island with my wife and there was an elderly man. He was a guide and mm. he knew so much. He was must be 90 years old and he knew a lot. And I wish I had taken notes, but mm. I remembered it was like etched in my brain after meeting with him. And I came back and I thought I'd look it up on the internet. Surprisingly, there are some glimpses of these facts on the internet, but some of the details are missing. So I'm going to put it out to you here today and you can research it on the internet and then you can find out the exact um, details as we go along. So let's start with Thomas Edison. Thomas Edison, everybody knows, um, was a very famous inventor in the United States. He has like 1,000 uh, 93 patents to his name. Um, what most people know uh, is that these were not all his own inventions. He hired many, 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 many scientists, uh, inventors to come and work for him. And these scientists worked in his labs, either in New Jersey or Florida. And he paid them a regular stipend. Uh, gave them living accommodations and food and everything else and told them that they have to live here and whatever inventions they come up with belong to him. Mm -hmm. They're under his patent, but they will get a percentage of whatever he makes on it. So a lot of people don't know that, but these 1,093 patents were not all his own inventions. That doesn't detract from his genius as an inventor. Uh, And I'll tell you uh, how that comes about. So... He was born in 1847. He was born in 1847. He died in 1931 um, at the age of 84. He was an inventor, but he was also a great businessman. He was very astute in making money, and money drove him quite a bit. It's, It's interesting, as you see, how money drove him to do a lot of the things that we are going to be talking about. When he went to school, His teachers actually, after giving the parents three warnings about Edison, saying that this kid was hard to teach at school, finally expelled him from school. Oh. Yeah. Edison was thrown out of school, said, we can't teach him. Now, I don't know the details about why they couldn't teach him. What they found about him was so difficult. Was he hyperactive? Did he have attention deficit disorder? I don't know. But bright kids often are hard to contain when when you don't give them enough stimulation. So I don't know what the details are. This was uh, 1850 something. So he couldn't be taught in school, but his mother taught him. 
Now, interestingly, the mother had a little bit of a hard time teaching him because um, at age 12, um, Thomas Edison developed scarlet fever. Oh. And, and with the scarlet fever, he developed deafness. So he was completely deaf in his right ear and partially deaf in his left ear. So for all practical purposes, he couldn't hear. So what could the mother do? She couldn't teach him by talking to him. So she put books in front of him and he read and he read quite a bit. Um, by age 13, he wanted to make money. And he was a bright guy. Here's a bright, I mean, just imagine, here's a kid who's deaf for all practical purposes, can't hear, wants to make money. What does he do? He finds these trains that go back and forth between Port Huron. Is that in Texas, Lou, do you know? No, I believe Port Huron's in Michigan or Minnesota. Michigan, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Detroit. So these trains would go back and forth. He made a deal with the station agent that he said, I want to sell newspapers. <clears throat> so the station agent said, that's fine. So the a kid, Thomas Edison, 13 years old, would carry bunches of newspapers and sell them and make a little bit of money. As it turned out, so many of the people would started asking for candy and vegetables and stuff like that. So he started getting those things and selling them. He was quite successful at the age of 13 doing that by himself. So he actually hired other kids to do the same on different routes. And within a short period of time, he was making $50 a week. Now, money will come into this for the next few sentences, uh, next few points I'm gonna make. So remember, $50 a week yeah. at that time was a lot of money, huge. Yeah. Five cents was a lot of money. So $50 a week that he made as profit was a lot of money. And just see what happens when he makes a deal with Western Union uh, within a few years after this. <clears throat> so 13 years of age till the age of 15, he kept doing this. Now, the station agent was a man by the name of Mackenzie. And Mackenzie had a three-year-old, four-year-old son whose name was Jimmy, Jimmy Mackenzie. Now, one day, Jimmy McKenzie was running across the tracks. There was a fast train coming. Thomas Edison saw this three-year-old running in front of the train. He dove in front of the train and saved the little boy's life wow. at risk to his own. The station agent, station agent McKenzie, was so grateful to uh, Thomas Edison. He said to him, look, you're, you're a good boy. You've been doing this for two plus years, selling newspapers and making $50 a week, but I'm going to teach you a skill that will come in very handy for you. And it did. He says, I'm going to teach you how to be a telegraph operator. Oh. Now, many people today may not even know what a telegraph is. <laughs> it's true. I was telling my grandsons this and yeah. they said, what's a telegraph? Yeah, no idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, how, how do I describe a telegraph, Lou? What is, what is a telegraph? Uh, it's a communication device that uh, went between central points that not everybody had them in the homes, obviously, just went to central points and you would um, uh, send messages through electrical impulses that were tapped in code. Right. Yeah. So there were, had to be wires strung between uh, poles. Yeah. But at that time in 1840, uh, 1862, 
when um, when Thomas Edison was 15 years old, there was single telegraph. So you could send one telegram across and receive one telegram back. Mm -hmm. So anyway, he learned this telegraph uh, operating business. And then by age 19, which was 1866, he got a job at Western Union. Western Union was at that time um, the company that was big in telegrams, telegraphs, right. etc. Right. So he started working there at the age of 19. He said goodbye to Mr. McKenzie. Thank you for teaching me. It's been great knowing you and went and started working for Western Union at age 19. Now, he didn't stop there. He said he wanted to know more about this telegram. He was very fascinated by electricity. So he actually kept developing this with the help of others. Don't forget. I mean, the others main names, I don't remember, but he used the skills of others to help him modify and come up with an invention, which was known as the quadriplex telegraph mm -hmm. quadriplex. So you could send out multiple telegrams at once. Wow. Um, that was a big change. Now, why that was a big change is because <laughs> at that time, the stock market was on Wall Street in New York. It right. was usually under a big tree that was in the center of that Wall Street area. So people stood under the tree and they were trading stocks off Western Union, for instance, or the railroad tracks, uh, Pacific Railroad or whatever it was then Atlantic and Pacific Tea Company, those kind of things. Right. And guess how the stock price was communicated to the rest of the United States? Oh, at that time, I don't know. Probably telegraph, right? No, because oh. the telegraph was at that time a single telegraph, single. right? Yep. Okay. So you couldn't send all these telegrams at once. It was slow. Do you know what semaphore system is? No, I don't. So boy, when I was a Boy Scout, they taught us semaphore system. So semaphore system meant that you had two flags in your hand on mm -hmm. sticks. Um, and then you would have it, if you had it on the center of your forehead and both flags were together, it was A. And then if you had one hand uh, on the right and one hand in the forehead, that was B. Then if you had it at 90 degree angle to your body, it was C. So you did A, B, C like that. And you, it was almost like Morse code. Yeah. And so the guy would stand on the edge of the Hudson River on the east side where New York is and give out these symbols using flags. There was another person on the west side of the river picking up those signals, writing down, okay, so Atlantic and Pacific companies sold at 10 cents per share, writing it down. And then he would use the semaphore flags, communicate it to somebody on the other side, and it would go across by semaphore all the way across towards California. Good Lord, really? Yeah. Wow. So, so this quadruplex telegraph that that Edison made, invented, would have would be eliminating that. He put so a lot of he, flag guys out of work. <laughs> yeah, but also the Western Union would be thrilled with it. So he came up with this outrageous number of $60,000. Now, this is the part where I was saying before, neither the man who was telling us this story nor I have been able to determine exactly how much Thomas Edison initially asked Western Union for. And that's a whole debate question. So let's say that it was 60000 I don't know how much it was. Yeah. And they, they met with him. Two people came from Western Union since he worked there. And he said, this is what I want for this invention. He showed them the invention. 
they were pretty poker faced about it. Didn't show too much interest. Say, okay, we'll think about it. We'll go back to our higher ups and we'll let you know. Right. And so he was disappointed. He thought that they would be jumping up and down in excitement to say, we get rid of these semaphore flags and we'll get this uh, such a wonderful invention. They came back a week or so later and two more people were with them, four people. So they, he showed them the invention. They were, they, again, deadpan face. Yep. And he said, how much do you want for it? And he lowered the price to, say, 45000 And they said, okay, we'll think about it. And again, deadpan face, left. He was very disappointed. He said, yeah. you know what? I, I don't care. I, maybe my price is too high. I'll have to sell it for like 15000 If I get I'll be happy. So next time they said, you come to us. And he went to their big office. There were like 20 people sitting over there. And this time he said, listen, I'll give it to you. My rock bottom price is $40,000. And they looked again deadpan and they said, okay, you got a deal. Hmm. And so they got up, they shook hands. No contract was signed, but it was like word was your bond at that time. Sure. And they shook the hands and he said, 40,000, you got a deal. And then Thomas Edison jokingly laughed and said, you know, you almost could have gotten this for $15,000. I was prepared to go down to 15. Oh, God, that's a bad thing to say. <laughs> bad thing to say because yeah. all of them laughed and they said, you know, we would have paid you more than 60,000 for this. Yeah. And they laughed. Now that was the impetus and the stimulus for Thomas Edison because he was a guy that was crazy about money from the age he was like 12, 13. And he said, I just walked away from like twenty, twenty-five thousand dollars I could have gotten if I had negotiated this properly. But he was only how old was he? Twenty-four. Twenty-four yep. years old at eighteen seventy-one. But an early was, business lesson from the pros, and it probably ate at him. Ate at him. He yeah. he said, I have to make this back many, many times over. But anyway, that quadruplex quote, stock quote, was used for stock quotes and is still used today, that system, um, instead of the um, um, semaphore flags. And so he then caused to develop a 16-mile tel telegraph system between New York City and Philadelphia, which is still in use today. By age 29, five years later, he built a whole lab in Menlo Park, New Jersey. And he then sent out invitations by mail to in, and in the newspaper to say, anybody that can come up with inventions, come and work for me. So they came, a lot of people came and worked for him. Um, I'm trying to make this short because I know we've got uh, time limitations here, but there's so much fascinating stuff. You should all read up on his various inventions, especially around electricity, the light bulb, et cetera. Um, now, since he was deaf, he um, couldn't hear very well, especially when there was a lot of noise going on because in, in his one ear, he was partially deaf in his left ear, but right. he could hear some things if there was quiet. But if there was a lot of noise, he couldn't hear. Now, one time there was an exhibition and Thomas Edison was by this time very famous. And so a lot of people would come up to him, tap him on the shoulder and try to say something to him and he couldn't understand what they were saying. So. Henry Ford was a young man at this time, had come up with this idea of this um, a car, an automobile. Yeah. It was called something different at that time. It was a quadri something or the other mm -hmm. because it had four wheels. Right. And he came up to him with this diagram to show what it was. And he was excitedly talking to 
Edison, but Edison couldn't understand what he was saying. And he looked at the diagram and he said, son, because he was younger than him, he said, son, you've got a great thing going in here. You develop this, you will have my backing. Henry Ford was so excited that he said, okay, if I have Thomas Edison's backing, I don't need to worry, I'm gonna put this in action. And he did, and Thomas Edison was one of the first people that gave him a huge sum of money at that time, I think $25,000 or so, to start off the Ford Motor Company. Hmm. So now Ford Motor Company was started and the Model T after many of the earlier uh, uh, models started coming off the lines. The first Model T that came off the lines any year was always given as a gift by, Tom, by Henry Ford to Thomas Edison. I didn't know about this connection. It's fascinating. Yeah. So if you go to the um, uh, Sanibel Island Museum, there are so many Model Ts over there worth millions and millions of dollars because they were the first model that came off every year and he kept them there. He didn't need the money, right. uh, Thomas Edison. So he just kept the cars and they're by now worth a fortune. Um, every year he would get this Model T. Now, Henry Ford needed tires for his company, for his car. So he went to this one company because tires were not something that you used them for at that time for bicycles. Right. So you had rubber tubes that were around the bicycle. And he said, these rubber tubes don't work for my cars because they get punctured fairly easily. I need something different. So in 1895, Ford went to a company called Columbus Buggy Works. There were horse-drawn carriages, buggies, which mm -hmm. had these rubber tubes around. And he met a salesman there and he said, I need something for my cars and I don't know what to get. And the salesman said to him, listen, take my word for it. You buy these tires and you will not be sorry. They're the best in uh, production today. And I give you my word that these will work well on your company. So he bought those. Ford was thrilled with how they performed and he and the salesman became good friends. Every year then Ford bought his tires for his companies. At that time he was making like a hundred cars or 200 cars, whatever. Right. And the salesman became his good friend. That salesman name was Harvey Firestone. <laughs> Harvey Firestone then kept selling him. And then at one time he um, got an order for like 20,000 tires per year. And that was so big that he yeah. left the Columbus buggy company and started his own company called Firestone Works. And then Firestone and Ford and Edison became good friends. As luck would have it, one by one, their wives died. That's a whole other story to say how they died, how come they all died, and the three of these guys were bachelors together, but they mm -hmm. died. They were bachelors, mm -hmm. they were like widowers. And they all liked that fishing. That was an interesting tease, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, me interested. They, yeah. They all liked fishing. So one day, Edison saw in a newspaper a clipping, a photograph. I wish I'd had that so I could send it to you to put it on Facebook, Lou. A man in Florida standing with a fish next to him that he was holding up uh, with a crane. Mm -hmm. The fish was bigger than him, and he was like five feet nine inches tall. Yeah. And Edison loved fishing and so did Ford and Firestorm. So they said, where did this guy catch such a big fish? It turns out it was in uh, Florida. 
So Edison said, I got to go there. <laughs> so this wealthy man gets into, I don't know, a train or car, however, because I don't, he got to Florida and he said, where this man had caught this fish, you would actually have to take like a canoe or a boat to go all the way there because there was no way for getting there. Right. So he went there, he caught some huge fish, was thrilled. He said, but ne I'm not going to keep coming down here and coming by boat. I have to have a railroad here. So he developed that a seven and a half mile railroad track to Fort Myers in Florida, oh. seven and a half miles. Mm -hmm. And then he developed Sanibel Island and that's where he put his base. And that's where every year, both uh, Edison and Ford and then Firestone would go and spend a lot of their time together. So they became very, very friendly. All three men stayed together. All three were widowers. Now comes World War One. World mm -hmm. War One started in 1914. And if you saw, you know, this was within 20 years of Henry Ford coming up with the first uh, Model T or car. And he said, this is a problem because my friend Firestone cannot provide me with the tires I need because there's no rubber. Right. Rubber, if you remember, at that time came from the Far East. And we were at war with Japan and there was no rubber coming in. It was expensive. So Edison said to all his inventors and himself, let's start making rubber here in the United States. So if you go to Florida and different parts over there down south, you will see what are big trees that were imported from the Far East that look like rubber trees and rubber plants. Ultimately, they did start developing some kind of tree plant that made um, sap that was being used to convert into uh, rubber hmm. and they made their own tires. Um, but um, moving forward, Firestone, then, then of course, Edison was the first one to die because he was older than Ford and Firestone. He died and then Ford and Firestone became good friends and they lived together. Uh, and and uh, sometime thereafter, first one died, then the other died. Mm -hmm. Now, recently, Firestone was bought by a Japanese company and is now called uh, some other stone. Um, what, what is the name of a company that ends in stone? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, whatever. The, and, and Firestone now, or the company that it has become, has gotten a bad name because they had to uh, recall like 6.5 million tires. Oh, wow. Okay. So uh, Firestone now, although it had always had a good name, has now come up with not such a good name because of the recall of 6.5 million shares. But interestingly, the granddaughter of Harvey Firestone was born in 1925. Her name is Martha Firestone. And Henry Ford's grandson was William Ford. They, the two of them, married in 1947. Oh, interesting. The grandchildren of Firestone and Ford got married in 1947. Two powerhouses of business and invention in this um, country got married. And to this day, uh, their uh, children are extremely um, uh, philanthropic oh, and give, yeah, give a lot of money and do a lot of good things. Um, we have talked previously about the Gita in our um, podcast, right? Um, yes. Yeah. Arise Arjuna, the Gita. 
And Ford's grandson has relinquished all his worldly possessions and become, become a Vedantic Gita follower. He lives okay, in really? India. Yeah. yeah. He speaks Sanskrit, very much a follower of the Gita and a big donate, uh, philanthropist uh, to uh, charitable organizations. Wow, it's fascinating. So, that's a lot of money, too. I'm that's a lot of money. Have a yeah. lot of money, yeah. Yeah. So um, that's the story. And I would love to have you all do some research, see if you can find out some more. And then if you could write to me at ariseargina at gmail.com, whatever you find, anything different than what I've said or add to it, I'd yeah. love to hear your, uh, your comments. Yeah, and the stories around Edison and um, uh, Nikola Tesla, Nikolai Tesla, Tesla are always fascinating too. Uh, Edison must have been a fascinating man. I'm guessing there's a ton of stories around him. Yeah, you know, not only that, he was because he was so uh, enamored by money. So many stories about what he did to promote his use of the electrical system. Yep. Uh, he put he one of the reasons he became friendly with Ford is because Ford agreed to put an electrical system in his car for the lights and the horn and the switches and everything else. Um, uh, and, and then he he was Edison was the inventor that sort of pressured the U.S. government to use electrifying as a means of death penalty. And there was a big format battle about that between him and Tesla about AC and DC. Exactly. And, uh, and it's uh, funny, I was at a museum up in Agunquit, Maine that had some old automobiles, so old in fact that some of them had tanks, gas tanks on them and they were firing headlights like they were flame headlights that were yeah. powered by gas. It was just fascinating. Yeah, and then Edison used his considerable influence to use instead of gas lamps along the streets of New York City yeah. to say, we need to have electric lamps. And every time something that was electric was done, it benefited him because it was his electric company. Now, when he put wires under the streets to go from one lamppost to the next, many times the wires with the cold weather of uh, New York City would get worn out and then the wires would be exposed, which left electricity just sort of coming up onto the streets. Yeah. Now, ordinarily, if you're driving in rubber, uh, tired cars, you wouldn't feel the electricity. But at that time, most of the traffic on the roads were from horse carriages. Yeah. And wooden, the horses had metal yeah. oh. metal uh, hooves on their feet. Wow. So you would see these horses sort of jumping up and down <laughs> and bucking with the electrical shocks they were getting. Nobody understood why they were doing that. Um, and then somebody figured out that it was the electricity that Edison had put down there. So a lot of fascinating stories about Edison that, that you will find out, friends, if you research it uh, more clearly. All right. If you watch us on Facebook, you watch us on YouTube, make sure you also subscribe to us on either Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or Spotify. Then you get notifications when new episodes drop. We try to stay on schedule, but it moves a little bit here and there. So you can keep up with the, the new episodes that drop by making sure you subscribe to one of those services. Thank you, friends. See you next time.